0: Hello everybody and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt and I'm a Game Master who cannot stop talking about roleplaying games. Today's episode is a fantastic episode where I get to talk to the wonderful, amazing Ron Ogden and I'm super jazzed for you to listen to our conversation about co-game mastering or co-dungeon mastering. Before I get into the conversation, into the recording, I did want to give everybody a few quick updates. So today's episode is gonna be our season finale. Welcome! <laughs> I should have maybe I should have made a bigger hoopla about that at the beginning. But anyway, uh, <laughs> it's gonna be our season finale. I'm gonna take a little bit of a break between now and uh, kind of the new year. Give myself some time to recharge, spend time with family, have a lot of eggnog, eat a lot of great food, sleep in, roll dice, play games, all that, all that fun stuff. So, Roleplay Chat Season 4, look forward to it, it's going to be starting the end of January. So I guess if I don't speak to any of you until then, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year, love you all to bits, all of that, all that good stuff. So I hope everybody has a wonderful time, a wonderful time with family, a wonderful time in the snow, or in the sun, or on vacation, whatever it is, I, I'm, I'm here. I'm sending you love, and I hope you have yourselves a wonderful holiday time. I also wanted to give folks a quick announcement about my most recent review. So, my most recent uh, written blog review has been published on RPGMatch.com. It's about Call of Cthulhu. So, if you you know you haven't you haven't really tried Call of Cthulhu yet, or you're you're tempted, but you're not sure, go check it out. It's on RPGmatch.com, and I'll have a link in the description of the show down below. I also wanted to give folks a quick update that I'm going to be participating in a one-shot, a charity one-shot, but by the time this episode goes live, the one-shot will have already happened. So the one-shot is a one-shot with Jess the Human, who was a recent guest on the show. Thanks, Jess, for having me join you on your on your one-shot. I'm sure... We're going to get up to all kinds of chaos and all kinds of fantastic things. But I'll link up the VOD link for the one shot in the show notes. I'll also have the Tiltify for folks who might want to donate. So it'll be in the show notes. I I presume the Tiltify won't stay open for too long after this episode drops. So you probably have a couple of days, probably until the weekend or so. Anyway, I'll talk to Jess and I'll figure that out. But all of the important links will be in the show notes. So yeah, so that's it. So without further ado, let's segue right into the conversation with Ron about co-game mastering, co-dungeon mastering. I hope you enjoy it. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Roleplay Chat. I'm Matt, and I'm a game master who can't stop talking about role-playing games. Today, I have the pleasure to announce the CEO of the Dungeon Society. He's been joining me today. He is a tabletop aficionado and professional. He's a regular on many Jasper Game Day and D&D Beyond charity streams. You may also know him as a player. And the current co-game master for the popular D&D actual play podcast, The Dungeon Run. He's a veteran game master, actor, and producer who has been world building and storytelling for over two decades. Ron, welcome to the show.
1: Wow. Wow. What an introduction! Thank you. That was incredible. Uh, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'm, I'm at a loss for words at that. Thank you very much. Uh, hi, uh, it's lovely to, to meet you. And uh, hello, everyone out there. I'm Ron. Uh, as, as Matt so uh, eloquently put, um, uh, that's about it. I'm Ron. <laughs> well, Ron, I'm, I'm
0: very pleased to have you. Uh, I've been following the Dungeon Run for for a long time, listening Thank here you. and there, and and the, you know the products that you and your team are making are fantastic. Oh, yeah. I think everybody watching, everybody listening should be watching. So, uh, so definitely, thanks for being here to talk to me. Absolutely. Uh, before we get into today's topic at hand, which is to talk about co-game mastering, which apparently yes. is a topic that a lot of people either have never heard about or mm-hmm. consider to be a pretty challenging topic to tackle. Before we, before we you know, Dare to do that. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself and give us your uh, geek origin story,
1: if you will? All right. So, geek origin story I grew up in the military. Um, My uh, mother and my uh, stepfather were both in the army. Um, And so I moved around a lot as a kid. Uh, And as I moved around as a kid, uh, there was a lot of time I had to sort of entertain myself. Um, And as I got older, um, I found myself staying at uh school, uh going to the library during lunches, uh, because people did not like it when you played Magic the Gathering at lunch uh when I was in high school. No, um, yeah, tell uh, me about it. Tell I me. also grew up in the South, uh so I had a little bit of the satanic panic as well. Uh and in our particular district, um Magic the Gathering was just as bad and was literally people doing spells at the lunch tables. So that <laughs> which is of course ridiculous. I'd be like Pokémon is a ritual sacrifice. Like no, that's guys, you are that's your fear. That's not mm-hmm. mine. That's mm-hmm. yours. Um so as you can see I kind of grew up in where D&D was a big no-no. It was a big hush-hush. You didn't talk about it. Uh, any of that kind of stuff. So the best way for me to actually do that was just to go to the library and read books on mythology. And so that's what I did. I literally just for four years, uh, when I could finally have some freedom, I went right. to the library and read about mythologies.
0: Crack open um, the encyclopedia. Yeah, man. God. Not Let's even go. kidding. Not yeah, even kidding. I hear ya.
1: <laughs> it's, it was, it was, I don't know why it was just the way my brain worked and it was what I needed. And, you know, I, I mentioned this, uh, if you are a fan of the dungeon run, we have the cooldowns and sometimes I talk about, uh, things continuously because they're part of my identity and why I do the things that I do. And so one of those is one of the things that reading the mythologies taught me, especially like Aesop's fables and things like that was, oh, these are just emotions that we all struggle with and they've been writing about them for thousands of years. So what I'm struggling with is nothing new and it is now on my end to figure out how to, uh, separate the noise from the rest of the world. And so storytelling became that way for me.
0: Cool. So Very cool. that's my
1: geek storytelling. Ta- that's my geek nerd, uh, nerd origin.
0: <laughs> i love it you know it it resonates yeah. with me a little bit i, I remember <laughs> in high school i had a teacher my english teacher monsieur gautier i was a french school i'm in canada i have french. monsieur oh, yeah. gautier was the biggest nerd out there and he used to encourage us to play magic in his Ooh. in his in his classroom during lunch so oh, me yeah. and my buddies we'd go and we'd play magic in his classroom we would play some Makes board sense, games man. too um yeah it teaches yeah, yeah. you a lot it does.
1: especially if you allow it to be that situation where you're experiencing it, you're going to get natural questions. And I learned a lot about strategy from playing Ma- magic, the gathering. I learned a lot about game design from that, you know, uh, and, and the, the loop of gameplay and what that really meant. So, uh, I totally understand why. And that's why we, I think we see D and D doing that as well as mm-hmm. now they're taking it into the classrooms.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yep. It's a, a fantastic learning tool, I think. Um, yes, it is. Uh, so, so Ron, uh, That's your very humble beginnings. Now that you're, you know, you're the co-game master of the dungeon run. You've Mm. got the Dungeon Society in your in your belt. How do you think that that's changed you as a game master? How how would you define yourself as a game master? What kind of styles are your preferences? That that way, when we get to giving advice, the listeners can kind of place that into, uh, you know, into your style, if you will.
1: Absolutely. So I I try to come from GMing from two perspectives uh, just because the way TTRPGs are built is that there really are two perspectives. There's the perspective of the player and there's the perspective of the GM. Um, The cool part is, and what I really enjoyed and what I was really drawn to about this concept when when we auditioned for the dungeon run, which is then you're adding a third perspective, which is the watcher perspective. And so now... Now you're talking about, this is multi-layered Shakespeare. If you're, if you really break it down, we can do a lot of cool things with that. And so that's, what's kind of my drive for GMing now is one, how can I get you interested in this game? Because you should be playing it because what have we been doing since the dawn of man that as far as we know, telling stories around, around campfires. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a mm-hmm. natural thing to do. We like to entertain one another. We like to help Edu- you know, it's not ever focused on education, but that's how we share our experiences, which is a form of education, if you ask me. Sharing an experience, getting uh-huh. a diverse viewpoint, understanding Agreed. from someone else's viewpoint, and b- what it's empathy, like to be there their empathy, empathy, exactly, yeah. exactly. As a core tenement, right? Emp- empathy is something you searched for. And so that's kind of how I've now changed my GMing, where I'm coming from the perspective of, how can I help you because we're collaborative storytelling the way I learned how to role play and when I find found a group to role play, it was deep role play. We're talking very deep role play similar to what we did in the dungeon run and still do in the dungeon run, which is very little table talk as much in character talk as possible. That's for intense actors like (laughs) all of us on the dungeon run. (laughs) Not And what I've learned, especially from marrying someone who was a beginner and was interested because I brought it to the table and is now a fanatic, Heather, my wife, she uh, has identified she's not that type of player. From the get-go, not that type of player. I've talked a little little bit about this elsewhere, where I like to bring new players into play. Oh, yeah. In fact, the the regular group. Yeah, it's a lot of fun because they don't come in with preconceived notions about what's possible. You have to help them learn what's possible. Exactly. And for me, one of the best ways that I found with 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 new players like that is to give them scenarios and okay, what do you do? And let them ask questions so they can discover in their own way right? Because when they ask questions from their own perspective, they're just trying to understand what they're experiencing. And now you have the opportunity to help them because you've been a player. If you're a GM, I have mostly been a forever GM. Let's just be straight up. I think a lot of GMs are that way. Another reason why I want to bring more people into this game. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Exactly. So that's my perspective. Cool. From a new player's perspective, How can we get you here? How can we get you to be a player? And then once you're a player, what tools, what advice, what things, what feelings and emotions, and most importantly, what empathy can I get from, to you and from you to bring you in as a GM?
0: Cool. So you're mass recruiting. Thank you for your service. Uh, I mean, I'm trying to, I mean, (laughs) it's
1: already massive. They've already really done it, but it's really up to the the community to do that, to grow it. It, Right. It really is. And I, I
0: I echo that statement. Playing with new players is a blessing. Um, if people listening haven't had the chance to do that recently, go have at it, ask around, don't be shy. You'd be surprised who's kind of clawing at the bit. To play this game that they don't know about or they know about they don't understand and they don't really know how to get it going uh
1: yeah go for it have at it i just i just read an article in that in new york city there is a dearth of dms there are a bunch of players just waiting for dms to start games (laughs) and i was like well you know there's a whole now they want in person so they were looking this particular article was about people looking for in-person games but it's one of those where, if you want to play, you can play now. And if you are a player and have never GM'd, now is the time to do that. The number of resources that are available to you that are absolutely free are in expansive and incredible.
0: Mm, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. And perhaps a good way to wet your toes in game mastering would be to do it with another game master. But. But maybe I'm getting ahead of myself. So today's topic is to talk about co-game mastering. And Ron, this is something that you, that you do, I would say practice, but practice maybe practice in that you, you do this on the dungeon run.
1: Yes, It's
0: a really, interesting, uh, a really interesting approach to the game. Before we get into your experiences and your advice, though, I do want to make sure that everybody listening understands what we mean when we talk about co-game mastering. So perhaps I'll throw the microphone over to you first. What, what does that mean when we say co-game mastering?
1: Uh, so uh, I assume that we all understand what game mastering is, so I won't go to that uh, description. But a co-game uh, mastering is essentially um, any two and I even imagine now doing with two, you could probably do more than two. Um, mm-hmm. you could probably do everyone at the table if you ask me, um, and would be fun. Um, and I think even D, the DMG even suggests these kinds of things in certain editions may even be the latest edition to try to do, well, what if we were all the GM? This isn't, in, isn't new. This concept is essentially we are sharing Jared and I, uh, Jared, uh, check, uh, also, uh, the other coach DM on the dungeon run, uh, and I are essentially splitting up the responsibilities and telling the story together for others. So it's like any two man show that you've ever right, seen yeah. now, but this one isn't a two man show. It's just a two man GM, right? Exactly, so, uh, exactly. it, right. And, uh, and, sorry, not to use the, we are men, so we identify he, him. So, you know, I'm using that one because that one is ours, um. Ah, uh, but uh, it could be at two-person DMing. In in any case, uh, it's just like you could in long-form storytelling. Uh, Two-man, uh, two-person shows in in long-form storytelling is very common. Um, so it's that at its basic principle, at least the way that we approach it.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. DMing and, is and just
1: long-form improv.
0: Yeah, that's I, I. And I I think that that's the way that I want to approach today's conversation. I I, I also hmm. kind of. Upon thinking about this, went down a bit of a rabbit hole thinking, yeah, well, what if you run a game where everybody's the GM? Which is, in fact, something that sometimes me and my buddies will do when nobody's prepared anything and we all happen to have a Friday off and the kids with grandma or whatever. And, oh, hey, let's play, let's jump online and, and everybody, let's just like improvise a game together. Um, so, I, I suppose that's also co GMing, like you're saying, Ron. But for today's conversation, I think if we stick to two people quote unquote behind the screen behind the game master screen i think that makes the most sense another rabbit hole that we could potentially go down we'll see what time how much time we have but this idea of running like cooperative campaigns where there's two game masters not behind the screen simultaneously but running games simultaneously Mm -hmm. and then they like the two game masters talk to one another to figure out what's yeah. happened. And then the, the influence, like that could also, I guess, be considered co game mastering, but let's yes. not get into that tonight unless we okay. have time to, but sure. that's kind of a caveat. I do that,
1: that on a regular basis too, for yeah. another company. So <laughs> we can talk, but I, I will agree with you. Let's stick to the code DMing, uh, or co game mastering that like Jared, what Jared and I are doing for
0: sure. Yeah. Yeah. Let's stick with that. And then who knows, maybe, sure. maybe we'll have a tangent off into the other stuff. Sure. That's fine mm-hmm. too. But uh, all right, cool. So now that we you know we're on the same page about what we mean by co-game mastering, which is the simultaneous two-person game, why don't you talk to us a little bit about your experience doing it, Ron? Why sure. maybe did you want to do that, or, or why did the Dungeon Run elect to make that their their kind of medium for delivering the second the second season or the second campaign?
1: Sure. So, um, at the end of our first campaign, uh, Jeff Kanata, uh, our DM, um, unfortunately had to, uh, take a leave of absence and, um, uh, take a different job, um love Jeff. He's still involved behind the scenes, uh, just so everyone knows. And we uh, communicate with him and looking forward to the next time we can play at the table with him. He's he's an incredible storyteller. And uh, the only reason that we exist is because of that man. I can say that uh, of a couple of people, but uh, Jeff is definitely one of those. So thank you again, Jeff, uh, for everything, as always. Uh, that being said, uh, when Jeff had to leave, uh, we sort of had conversations about what's next. And one of the things that we really wanted to do, because we didn't get the opportunity to, when we first started the dungeon run, when we first started the dungeon run, it was a casting call. So we were just cast. We came in with characters. I had a couple of characters I came in with, and Ugo Rage Fist was the one they ended up liking, um, and ultimately uh, with the chemistry in, mm-hmm. in the casting process why I was cast uh, with the rest of the cast. So we didn't really get a say in who was in the cast or what kind of cast it was. So that was one of the big things that we wanted to do if we were going to continue on after after Jeff had to leave. If we were going to continue on, well, if we're going to have another season, then we want the opportunity to cast more diverse cast. We would like to have more players with diverse viewpoints at the table. And so one of the best ways to do that is to rotate the cast either off who they don't play or they become a GM or, or so on and so forth. One of the things that we sort of discussed and wanted to make sure was, was clear also is that we kept the tone of the show similarly. And it was easiest to do that with someone who had played in the show for 115 episodes as opposed (laughs) to somebody who'd be brand new. So uh, we had other plans for bringing in new D- GMs as well. So that's what we kind of did with Fortune and Fate, uh, which was, of course, run by Gabe Hicks uh, at Gabe James Games, uh, if you're uh, Twitter, if you're still a Twitter user. Um, so Gabe came in and played, uh, was a GM for us for a rotating cast uh, for a couple of uh, uh episodes, uh, in fortune and fate. So we were trying a bunch of different things to see exactly what we wanted to do and how we wanted to grow now that we had this opportunity to make some changes. Uh, and so one of the quick, uh, things suggested was, Hey, what, what if we like code GM'd?" And I had run during the pandemic and before I was running a campaign for, uh, Jared and some other friends. And one of those friends is now one of the cast members, uh, Adam Slemon. He was also, it's actually how I met Adam is Jared got us together, asked if I would DM for them. And I met Adam in that group. Um, cool. <clears throat> yeah, it was super cool. So, uh, I got to see firsthand how Adam handles, uh, things in, uh, in, and he's a wonderful improviser himself. So, uh, it was a natural, uh, fit, um, when Katie had to step away uh, to have a baby. So, um, all of this is, is to say, so we were like, well, how do we get at, how do we maximize including more people at the table? Um, and then also what can we do? And I was like, Hey, Jared, why don't we try doing this together? And Jared was very open to the idea, kind of wanted some, as always, questions on like how that might occur, how we might do that. Maybe some paradigms we could discuss, that kind of thing. And, uh, we, we share a love for Sly Flourish's, the lazy dungeon master's guide. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so in my reading of that, I thought that would be a really good way to, to sort of build a campaign. And I think that's, since we both have the same guide that we're using, you have sort of a, a Bible, quote unquote, or some sort of manual to work from. Um, and so, um. Jared and I, uh, Jared came up with the idea of the uh, pilot and co-pilot. So we decided what that meant and like what, who owns what responsibilities because that was Mm -hmm. the number one biggest thing is you don't have to do it all yourself. You got someone else you can sort of rely on. That is also the risk (laughs) is that you're not (laughs) just doing it all yourself and there's someone else to rely on. So uh, number one thing I really want to mention in my own experience is trust is the biggest factor in this, but that's true of all D and D play, if you ask me. So, uh, you know, I assume that a, a very low, a, 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 at least a baseline of trust, uh, is, is shared amongst the people who are going to do this kind of thing. Yes, so yes, Absolutely. Yeah, so Jared and I absolutely do. We're friends out- outside of the game. We became friends very quickly. Uh, as you can see, we have very similar con- uh, loves of the game and grew up uh, and have some uh, commonality in that realm. Um, and so we become, we all have, the whole cast has really become friends and, through that process. And Ron, would you say that
0: that's something that is almost a requirement for, for running a successful co- GM'd game because that, that's something that you know I, I think a lot of people worry about when you consider this idea of sharing the game master seat sharing yep. that sharing being the storyteller or the arbiter of the story y- you know not everybody's going to have the same perspectives and that's a 100% okay but yep. if you're being asked to present a united front to the players right. to facilitate that you kind of have to have I think Some kind of, yeah, some kind of chemistry there already.
1: It's like any, it's like any relationship from, you know, from the, the loosest one to the deepest ones emotionally. It's all about trust, Mm -hmm. compromise and communication.
0: And would you, would you say there's anything that you did before Mm. running the game? that you would encourage other people to do? Maybe there's people listening who, oh, I want to try co-GMing with my friend. We've been playing for a long time. We have pretty good chemistry. What's, what's like the next step before you actually roll dice and play the game?
1: Well, one thing that Jared and I kind of share is deep and philosophical conversation. And some th- things, you know, uh, what frustrates us about the world, what we love about the world, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Y- you got to have an understanding and some agreement on, because that's what storytelling comes from. Storytelling comes from, well, what what do I think? What's my viewpoint on how we might change things? What's the dangers that we're, that we're playing with? And how can I tell that story? You know, there's a variety of viewpoints to get that, as I've d- yeah. identified before. So I think naturally in Jared sort of playing uh, in a campaign with me, uh, we ran out of the abyss, uh, which is obviously a very, uh, hard storytelling, uh, situation to be in. Um, but I was up to the task and they were interested, so we ran that. Um, and in that process, uh, you know, you get to you, when you're playing pretend you, you have real conversations as a character, but they're viewpoints that you're sharing, you know, yeah. and, and uh, there's table talk when you're eating pizza and you're taking a break and eating pizza. You're like, you know, wow, that, that's really evil, man. Like, yeah, that is really evil. You know what I think evil about that? This particular aspect of it is why I think it's evil. It's like, oh, I didn't even think of that. Like, that's not even what I found evil about that situation. Maybe it was this thing that I found evil. So there's a lot of communication and, and relationship building that you're naturally doing mm-hmm. When you GM in that manner. And so I think that really helped. So one of the things that I would highly recommend is that if you're going to attempt this, that you, at least one of you has been a player for the other.
0: Okay. At the very least, I think
1: that would be a good one. Just so you understand one, the player will understand how the GM thinks. And then the GM also understand what the player cares about. Because when you become a GM from a player, that doesn't really change. You still care Mm -hmm. about those things, right? You still care about those things as a player yourself. So of course you, I would assume that you would assume that your players care about that. That's how I function. So I'm not going to do to something that I wouldn't want done to me. So, uh, that's kind of what I think is a good reason why I don't think it's a necessity. I'm not saying like, it has to be that, or it's not going to work. What is not going to work is that if you do not trust each other, if you Mm -hmm. don't trust each other, it's not going to work like any relationship. Trust has got to be your baseline.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you also talked about something very briefly when you were, Mm. when you were introducing kind of a, how, how it came to be, you talked about this this, uh, this idea of a pilot and a Mm co-pilot. And that's something that I think a lot of people kind of try to do, you know, partition roles Mm -hmm. of the game to make, you know, this is your thing. This is my thing. or, Or, or at the very least, this is where you have the final say, and this is where I have the final say. Is that something that you also do with Jared in, in the game or, or Jared and I don't
1: really have a, the only things that we really have that are I have final say and he has final say is painting because I'm the only (laughs) one who's doing it. So he's not going to be able to do it. If I, if I tell him not, if you're going to paint
0: the skeletons, right. right. That's all new man. Right. Yeah.
1: Right. 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 Now, uh, obviously there, I'm not using that. Right. I'm not, there has not really, there has not been one decision that we've ever made. that are like, no man, I didn't put my foot down. This is the decision. I'm there. Again, this is all about compromise and finding and trust and finding the story. At the end of the day, we both agree that the story is King queen, all of it. Story is most important. And so we always trying to tell the best story that way. And it's just like, and another thing I would highly recommend to do if you have not done it, regardless of whether you want to GM or not, just for your life in general, take an improv class. Take more than one. When I I share this with you, and I try to share this with as much as I can. When I started taking improv, it helped me realize the things and fill in the gaps in life that I had been missing and no one had taught me before. Which is, you don't wake up with a script. Never do you wake up in the morning and know what's going to happen during the day. We literally live in an improvised world 24-7. So when I started practicing that and getting good at failing and it not being bad, Mm -hmm, that, mm -hmm. or at least framing my understanding of what failure means rather than looking at it as a thing you ultimately want to avoid, Now I look to fail. I want to do that because I can grow and learn. And for me, that's the basis of improv is what really taught me is uh, this will help me grow and learn. It helps you be less resistant to new ideas. It helps you be less resistant to new people, uh, new viewpoints. It's all of those things that if you really embrace it, it's a gift just waiting for you. To be able to give some I- great life advice
0: life. there, Ron, that's, I mean, just I, improve I your life in general, man. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, no, I know. I'm not, I, I, yeah. I, I agree. I really do. Yeah. I remember the realization when I got my first like real office job where yeah. I realized that the world is not a well-oiled machine and everybody no, knows what they're doing a hundred percent of the time. That's when like, you no, know, the light bulb goes off and you're like, okay, you just got to try, you just got to yeah. try something that's right and roll with the punches. So yeah, I agree with you. Yep. And I think the same applies to game mastering, the same applies to mm-hmm. playing playing as a player in a, in a tabletop role playing game for sure. Cool man. Uh so that makes a whole lot of sense as far as yeah. the things you want to establish with your co-game sure. master. I wouldn't mind picking your brain a little bit about what you find this particular format does well. What are some of the benefits that you think like wow, I wouldn't have been able to do this if it weren't for having a co-game master, like the, the perks, if
1: uh, you will. Yeah. So because we sort of have our seers of influence is what I'll put them, uh, the way I'll put it. We, we have weekly meetings, uh, sometimes more than one. We're all, we're constantly texting each other about it as well, but, during those meetings, we talk about where we think they're going to go, where the players are going to go, what we, now we're basing all of our story on their backgrounds. So that makes, again, this is a sly flourish, uh, uh, sourced, uh, concept, mm-hmm. um, where if you make the story about the backgrounds of the characters, then you can't make any bad decisions because they're going to go where they want to go. And that's what you want them to do anyway. So that's really what we've started to do with this particular season. Uh, and a, a great way to do that is. Uh, Hey, okay, you're going to, we're going to do session zeros. Uh, These two, these three are yours. These three uh, you handle. Let's discuss uh, ideas. You are the primary responsible for generating ideas for the background of this character. Now, once we come back. Yeah. And then when we come back, we discuss them and like, oh yeah. Like, okay. So now let's connect all of these, right? These people have ultimately like second and third party relationships that, that, are there and we don't have to decide exactly what every one of them is, the minute detail, just mm-hmm. that there is one, just that we identify a line between those two individuals. So then when we get there and they start I- interacting with their primaries, you can start pulling in secondary and tertiary characters and dropping them in and then defining what they are at that moment. Because uh, GMing is really a, it's, it's a, it's a juggling act, right? Yeah. You yeah, have to, absolutely. it's all, o- it's the, if you took a pen and you put it to paper and you drew a line you're trying to you're trying to generate the ink and keep enough of the possible ink uh, behind it open as well so that you're kind of on both ends kind of laying bricks on one and then making bricks on the other and then sort of passing them to each other as you <laughs> go down the line and that's difficult regardless yeah, yeah. of who you are. That is a hard thing to do. It requires focus. It requires uh, a strategy. There's there's a lot of time and effort that goes into that. I think that's part of why GMing has been sort of um, not something that everyone wants to do and why there's way more players than there are GMs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it sounds, I think, a lot more intimidating than it has to be. And most of the time, as we've talked about before, you want to have fun. And so you're finding your fun, but in this case, it's okay. Now I know what my fun is in a GM. I have another GM. What is your fun? And when you take two different types of fun and you mix them together, you get a whole bunch more types of fun. And so yeah. that's and what we're I like
0: finding. that analogy, Ron, where you're saying you're laying the bricks and you're leaving gaps in the bricks so that you can right. fill them in later. Right. But the beauty, I think, I mean, I've never co-game mastered and maybe I should after having this conversation with you, but mm-hmm. you know, I can see the beauty of, I lay a brick and I don't know when the next one's coming and I know there's a gap right. and just being able to roll with somebody else doing the same thing where it's, you're both seeding things, kind of not really knowing where it's going, right? kind of just playing off of it. Right. If you've got somebody else to do that too, it you know, it, it just reinforces it because mm-hmm. otherwise maybe you forget one of the seeds that you planted exactly. a long time ago, or maybe yep. you kind of, the seed runs dry and you, you don't know yep. what's going to happen, but then right. your co-game master comes along with a brilliant spark that you, you know, ignites what's more? it back
1: up. It's a game we play a lot, which is what's more than that. You know, I have a great idea. Here it is. Okay. What's more than that. Uh, and then what's more than that. And it's that ping pong of two different, uh, self-aware, I, brains that create, right? Right. That's creation. We're, yeah, we're just throwing absolutely. them back and forth. And that's why sports team, you know, people are like, oh, sports. Uh, I love this analogy and I try to use it a lot. Uh, fantasy football is just D&D with real people stats. <laughs> I mean, it I've is. I've
0: never heard that before, but yeah. I couldn't agree more. It is. Yeah. It
1: is. Fantasy football is D&D with real people stats. So that was why it was like one of those, when fantasy football started coming around, I was like man, we've been playing D&D for a long time, and now all you jocks who always made fun of us and we couldn't talk about it want to play? What the, what yeah. is going on? Uh, <laughs> that's when the world started to get a little topsy-turvy. Um, uh, and so it, that's same with creativity, right? Same with, with uh, this concept of a pilot and co-pilot. Pilot is, in our terms, in the terms of what Jared and I use, pilot and co-pilot just means... He, one of us is taking the the reins of the storytelling aspect, and the mm-hmm. other person then takes things that happen during combat, uh, tertiary, secondary, tertiary stories in that area, preparing for the next major point. So, you know, we kind of doing it geographically. We're using a a, a website called Legend Keeper, um, and Legend Keeper does it's like wiki for maps. So you create your own map and then you can drop your own pin and that pin creates a map, make makes a wiki page. And then you can fill it just like you would with any wiki page with a bunch of stuff. So we have that for both islands uh, for literally every city or major thing that's on the map. We have pins. We went through it and created pages. Now we haven't filled everything again, like mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. our other things. We haven't filled everything, but the things that we need to, and they're getting close to, we start to fill in. And as they get closer and closer, we fill it in more and more because they help you decide what happens there because they're making yeah. decisions in the process.
0: Oh man, that sounds like so much fun! I, it's you're, a lot you're, of fun. You're, yeah, you're really getting me wanted to try this out. Um, yeah. and I hope listeners it's doing the same thing, the same thing to you. Uh, <laughs> one thing that you mentioned, Ron, yeah. and I, I really love that you brought that up was how everything is connected and how the characters are connected. I mean, I guess mm-hmm. it doesn't have a whole lot to do with co game mastering, but I, I just wanted to reinforce that to the listeners because I couldn't agree more. I think the relationships of the characters that are playing this game. And even sometimes the backdrop of like the supporting cast that kind of belongs to those characters is where you can really build a tapestry and a story that's super engaging and super related to like like you're saying when you want to focus on the people that are playing this game, that's a fantastic way to do it. Uh, and I wonder if that is kind of a format that facilitates co game mastering because you know I'm trying to think of like. Uh, the polar opposite of that and not to say that this is a bad way of playing it's a different way of playing is when you're playing a game that's extremely uh spectator based where the players are listening to your story and you're kind of going from point a to point b maybe it's on rails i know people lose their mind when you you even suggest railroading a game but i don't think there's anything bad with that but
1: a novel is a railroad guys
0: yeah yeah but you know what i'm thinking of different formats of the game that might be better suited to co-game mastering i think maybe games that are more character focused sandbox focused might be a better a better approach is that right
1: I I would generally say yes, but you also have to understand that the bias is that I, in the thing you're describing. So our, our solution (laughs) to that is literally that. So you're just sort of seeing that, that mirror there, but I would, my, you know, this isn't the only thing that I do. I do a lot Mm of, I DM, geez four or five times a week now. So, um, including the dungeon run or excuse me, not including the dungeon run. So it, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of DMing and worlds are different. Some people, you know, want an open sandbox. Some people want West marches. Some people want, uh, you know, there's a variety of paradigms to go about it. Some people want the rail story. Uh, Look, we have a lot of video games that are rail stories and they're perfectly wonderful video games. Just know what you're getting when they are stories on rails. Jeff didn't feel like it was rails, but it was definitely narrative based. Uh, Mm -hmm. and he fit the characters within the narrative and that was the genius that he was able to do because that's really difficult to do. Uh, and he did it with not only well, he did it with such flair and style that it, it was an incredible thing to witness and be a part of. So lucky in that manner. Um, But not everyone is Jeff Kanata. Not everybody can do what Jeff Kanata does. That's why Jeff Kanata is Jeff Kanata. So, uh, uh, you you know, you can try and you can certainly attempt it and certainly could get good at it if you worked as many hours over it as you, as I'm sure he has. Um, (laughs) But it's one of those where this was just the easiest one. We don't, I am not capable of doing what Jeff Kanata can do. And I wouldn't Mm. even want to try it. Not even like, He's got it. That's it. So for me to define it separately was this idea. Jared, what do you think about this? How, you know, and one of the best parts is I we sort of he's taken the political side of things and I've taken the Pantheon. Um now we make decisions together and we're always, you know, he's making Pantheon uh, suggestions and I'm making political suggestions and we're constantly communicating back and forth. There's no one again, most of the things are not you're the only one who's doing it. It's yeah, just yeah. Uh, It's my responsibility to make sure that's a thing that I'm focusing on as we move forward. Um, And so the Pantheon has been very cool because Pantheon individuals, you know, gods that I've created in this world are now being used in a way by Jared that never would have, would have um, when I use them. And it it makes it even better than it was before. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the thing going back to the brick, the brick uh, metaphor is Jared and I are both good at making bricks the sizes that they, of the holes that we each leave. And so you end up getting a very strong wall because we end up, oh yeah, remember that thing we were talking about? I found it, Jared, I was thinking about it and I found it and it's like, there's that brick. And so there's a lot of, you know, some basic things that they say in any kind of like group writing situation, Uh, quote unquote, kill your darlings, which is, you know, nothing there should be nothing that you create that is not up for the chomping block. There is nothing so precious that you create that you cannot get rid of it. So don't fool yourself into thinking that is. We want to as human beings, but yeah. we've got to work, especially with creatives together, need to work to get rid of that. Um, and so a lot of it is, hey, I'm willing to let go of anything that I've come up with if I you know, especially if the idea that you had is better and stronger and feels better, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. absolutely. So I'm willing to also let go. And Jared is the same way. He's willing to let go of those things that don't feel as cool uh, and willing to work towards it because at the end of the day, we're all just working towards a better thing.
0: Cool. 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 Yeah. Cool. I love it. I love yeah. it. Um, now let's, let's twist this on a dime. Ron. Sure. There's a lot of good things that come out of code game mastering, but uh-huh. I'm sure there's a lot of bad things that could Come out of it as well, for sure. Uh, have you experienced any of the quote-unquote bad things? Maybe oh. not necessarily on the dungeon run, but just in, sure. in general.
1: Uh, oh, I mean, I'm, I've definitely experienced my own bad things as a DM. I, I probably have, and I could say one hundred percent sure I have done bad, quote-unquote, things <laughs> as a but, DM. But in
0: the in the confines of maybe sharing that space with somebody, have mm. you? Maybe I'm presuming that you've done
1: no. it. No, no, okay. I, I, I wouldn't, I, I mean, some, I, look, it's the normal things of any relationship, right? Don't be mm-hmm. petty, like try not to show contempt for one another. Uh, contempt is the number one thing if, if you've done, if you I, I do a lot of research, man, I read a lot of things because I don't sleep a lot. And so I'm constant, my brain is constantly looking for things to hyper-focus on. And I learn a lot of things. One of the things I've learned is if you're in any kind of relationship, literally any kind, if one person shows contempt for the other, the likelihood of that relationship existing in the next year is almost zero,
0: Mm.
1: not even an exaggeration, almost zero because contempt is the killing of a, of a relationship, right? When you get to that point, you can make bad decisions. Forgiveness is a thing, right? But when you make bad decisions or show contempt for someone on purpose, that's the death knell. And you should just listen to it because most of the time it doesn't work out. Mm. I have experienced that in relationships I have not experienced that with the relationships that I've done with uh, DMing. And that's largely because I entered relationships with people I already trusted. And so that's kind of, I think, a little bit of what that is, is the normal pitfalls. Willing to listen, willing to be wrong. There's nothing wrong with being wrong. In fact, I want to be wrong because if I'm wrong, it means I'm growing and learning. It's
0: almost like co-game mastering is like dating somebody. It, it is. Kinda, it kind of. sounds like it, you know. Yeah, man.
1: <laughs> I, I put them in that terms. It's. It. It is. I think. If you ask me, philosophically speaking, that when you have a relationship of any form of intimacy, those good ideas echo because it's mm-hmm. how people interact. Whether whether it's a romantic one, whether it's a familial one, whether it's a friend one, whether it's that you and I, as podcast host and 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 guest it's all the same show respect, willing to listen, these things echo through all relationships. So yeah, it might sound like I'm talking about that because I view relationships that way. I like to give that kind of energy and love to all relationships that I, that I involve myself in.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, I think that's fantastic advice. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. (laughs) It's just how, look, it's just what works works for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, so, I mean, I think I kind of want to go to some questions that we got on the interwebs. Because I I think we've we've gone through quite a bit already. Um, (laughs) One was, I thought was kind of interesting. So I I guess I'll I'll preface this by saying I ran some polls. Cool. uh, And I got data.
1: You gathered data data
0: for me, Matt? Gathered data. Oh, yes. (laughs) Sorry, I have a math know. background. So, whenever there's <laughs> so an do opportunity, I. I do too. Oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. Sweet. Um, yeah. So, I gathered some data and from about 200 people, so, you know, take this for what it's worth, but from about 200 people, 64% of them said that they had never done or never participated in a game with a co game master, I which I, I was actually I surprised
1: would've... it wasn't higher. Yeah. Same. I would Um, would share that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But there were a lot of folks who had some comments that kind of resonated with that. And one Mm -hmm. of the ones that stood out to me, and maybe we can kind of dissect our perspectives on it after was from a friend of the show, Cassandra. And Cassandra says that she's never tried it and she's unsure of why she would. Mm -hmm. She might consider it if she found somebody with a similar style to her, but even that might not be enough to convince her, you know, that co-game mastering is the right approach to run games. And sure. I, I'm not saying that we are saying it is, Right, but, uh, do you have any thoughts to that Ron, or, or maybe anything that could maybe convince Cassandra or, or, or insight that might get her to
1: try? Without yeah. knowing who Cassandra is at heart, um, I want to stay totally can respect if that's your viewpoint totally yeah. respect that. Can totally understand that the storytelling process for you is an intimate one and you don't want to share it with anybody. Just like I respect anyone who doesn't want to have a relationship with anyone, totally understand that. One thing I've noticed, um especially in films, mm, there's a lot of storytelling teams, especially in TV shows, movies, people who work together to tell a story. Mm-hmm. And even beyond the writers, Uh, there's the directors. There's a huge industry that is all about getting people together to make one singular story. And so for me, that just echoes that. I like films. I'm an actor by heart, uh, by trade. I've been in films. I've been on television. So for me, I enjoy that process of creation, having uh, creative input from other viewpoints in, in in the process of creation. But that's just me. That's what I enjoy. So uh, I can totally respect that. You might not enjoy that. Uh, I think telling a story together with someone is an intimate thing, and you need to be very careful and selective about who you involve people with things that are intimate. So absolutely, uh, can totally understand that. I would also hope uh, that if this individual uh, has ever experienced a relationship that has been good, like going in life, have had a good a good uh, partner in their life, um, that they might consider that you could experience something similar uh, in a storytelling process uh, in a uh, you know one of the terms I use is like uh, philosoph- uh, philosophic warrior, where we share philosophies, and so we fight we fight with each other to make ourselves better when we have to face an enemy together. so you're yeah, constantly trying to sharpen great. your own blade that's and really so neat. I think that's I. The only reason I ever did that, understood that as a concept is, uh, you know, Socrates and 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 the rest who were sort of tied up in the mythologies of Greek and Romans, um, uh, and the you know Plato, all these individuals, uh, Augustus, all them. Um, but uh, for me, it's just uh, I. Look for those types of relationships, creative relationships. Um, my friend, Jeff Kaminsky, who's been a director friend of mine for a long time and writer, um, we work in that fashion where, uh, you know, Hey, what about this? Whoa, what about this? And we're just, what's mooring and yes, anding each other. And that's a way to make us better at what we're doing. Cause we're just iterating on the process. It's like Mm -hmm. anything. It's what they do in corporate America when you're a programmer. It's the same thing. (laughs) So, (laughs) uh, it's the same, you know, obviously there's some minutia there that are make it different, but it's a similar concept of, well, work on, don't reinvent the wheel. Let's work on what's here and, and massage it like clay and build it. And then when we're, oh, that's a good structure. Then put that thing in the furnace and make it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I love how you talk about how Socrates and all the old philosophers, how, now that's you, all Western you know, philosophy.
1: i would be, you know, that's yes, Western, yes, you're mostly right. philosophy. The, but
0: yeah, all the all the ancient Greek and ancient yeah. Roman philosophers, how they would kind of spar with one another too, mm-hmm. these, these logic, logic puzzles and things. So Debate yeah, I, and, yep. I can see that kind of parallel a little bit. I I definitely it's, can appreciate science. it. It's one mm-hmm. of the reasons
1: I really enjoy science is because science is the concept. Science takes the concept of that we want to fight each other and makes it the core thing that increases the strength of the thing that you're trying to build. Literally give your research and data to your enemy so that they can look at it because who's going to scrutinize it more so than them uh, and then go, hey, this works or, you know, they were right. That is the strongest thing that you can build, right? Is is mm-hmm. two opposing viewpoints that are sort of have these rules that they set and agree upon to make something better because that's how people work. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. It's one of the reasons why I'm like science should be sort of like the basis of most of our <laughs> shouldn't and it? And like, it. like <laughs> if you can't prove it with data, it doesn't get done. Yeah, yeah, you're, I know. You're very, you're I, novel right idea, I guess. Novel, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know why that's a hard thing for us to achieve, but it seems to be it seems to be uh, harder that it is. than it's, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, yeah. it's one of those ideas that sounds so simple, but but yeah, execution yeah, yeah. is almost impossible,
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, awesome. I, yeah. I think you know, I think we've maybe done the rounds of co gma I'm right. not sure, Ron, if you had any other final thoughts on Koji, I mean, that you didn't get a chance
1: to, to touch on in our conversation today. Um, try it. If you're listening to this and it even remotely sounds interesting, find someone to try it with, you know, I would even suggest if you have a partner, try it with just you two, make it a date. You know, there are plenty of resources out there you can do to try to find ways to make D and D campaigns with just two people, especially if one of them is running it. Mm -hmm. Uh, ultimately I would say just like any board game, you know, play it together do it as a group, rotate, find ways to do this, whether it's two at a time, you're rotating, you're all doing it together. Ooh, I like this. Oh yeah, but what if if it's actually this? And then telling the story in that way, find the gameplay, play the game the way that you can. And for me, that's role playing together with others.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And. You know what? As soon as we're done recording, Ron, I, I make a vow that I'm gonna reach out to some of my buddies and be like, I want to co-game master with you. Because yes. I, I see a lot of really neat benefits in doing this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there might be some pitfalls, of course. but those things exist, I think, in every aspect of this game. Right. And it just another way to experience playing, I think, is yep. is kind of this this fun challenge that hopefully and it sounds like will enlighten the way that you play otherwise. So yeah. definitely worth checking out. Uh,
1: and I've definitely learned a lot uh, in, in games that I still DM on my own, uh, from doing this. Uh, mm-hmm. I've gotten better as a, as a, as a singular GM as I have because of I've been co-GMing. So, you know, even if you want to look at it in that fashion, uh, sharpen, Sharpen your sword, right? Sharpen that, sharpen that blade that you're ready to, to go to, to battle with, uh, to use the metaphor that we, that we so love in D&D. Um, but at the end of the day, you really working with the GM is like working with other players because it's the same stuff that I would think and hope that you were doing with your players, which is listening, (laughs) communicating, Mm -hmm. right. And, 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 and working together. So.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Uh, and before we, we do the hardest part of the show, which is. concluding the show. Uh, I know Ron, you've got a pretty cool project going on right now. Oh yeah. I don't know if you want to take the opportunity to talk a little bit about it to our listeners.
1: I can. Yeah. Uh, Actually, uh, we have some updates uh, since we last discussed uh, and we have decided to relaunch uh, our product, but it's called uh, seasons of adventure. It's a five E playable advent calendar. Um, We launched on the Kickstarter, but we have like. more than half the Kickstarters that are out there. We've canceled it and we're going to relaunch uh, because we've gotten some feedback and we want to make changes to get the best product that there is. And part of that is defining what playable actually means. So before we were doing a playable 5e advent calendar, it means you use the basic rule system. And at the end, at the last day, you get all the stuff that you need to play a game with your friends at the table. You still get all of that, but now we're trying to refocus on you play each day. So something oh, happens so. each day that you play, rather than having it all sort of uh, accumulate at the end. And uh, so that's part of what our relaunch is: is how do we reimagine this uh, to make it playable each day? Because we think that's even a better product than we originally had. So, uh, yeah, that sounds really should be cool. launching very soon.
0: And the idea of having, I mean, advent calendars are awesome. Yeah, and the idea yeah. of having advent calendars with minifigures with yeah. all kinds of, you know resources that you can use in a game, I think is a fantastic idea. So folks listening should go look for seasons of adventure, Mm -hmm. go follow the Kickstarter. And, and when it relaunches, you'll get pinged for sure.
1: You also can, if you want to, uh, join our, uh, email list at thedungeonsociety.com. Uh, real easy there. When you sign up, you'll get a whole campaign that, uh, we have created in preparation of this thing, uh, for free with materials, all that you need, including music, uh, tokens cool. that you can print out, maps, uh, the whole kit and caboodle, absolutely free, thedungeonsociety.com. Just give us your email and we'll send you cool, you know, I give you updates on what's going on behind the scenes. Sometimes I show you some of the painting stuff that I do. You even see uh, when we do prototypes, I, I share pictures there and prototyping. Uh, a lot of behind the scenes stuff on that, on that uh, dungeonsociety.com. So join us there uh, if you want to be most up-to-date.
0: Awesome. Cool, 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 cool. Well, yeah. so yeah. So thanks for sharing that, Ron. Thank you. So now let's talk about what we talked about. Yeah. We talked about co-game mastering. What is yep. the big takeaway? What should people, I mean, you talked about trying it. I I mm-hmm. think that that's a good takeaway. <laughs> if you're going to take away one thing, it should be that. Right. But uh, are there any other things that we talked about today that kind of stood out to you that you think would be worth uh, mm-hmm. s-
1: summarizing? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, a lot of us are, we're, we're playing a game when we, we, when we play D&D, but I also think because, you know, some of us like to tell stories and we like to watch stories and we learn about those things. D&D is a way to communicate between people. And so mm-hmm. I really think is if you approach this uh, as you would any communication with your, your community uh, or any community you're a part of, then I think you can only succeed, um, I I think one of the things that the internet has really done for us, uh, to us really, is separate us. Uh, And there's so much, and I think D&D really sits at the heart of this, is there's so much that we all have in common. And when we start telling stories that we can all be a part of and that that those stories are happening uh, with the decisions of the people that are in the shoes that are making those decisions... I think then you start having real com real conversations that our communities need to have to start healing those wounds. So that's cool. my summation of all that.
0: Yeah. 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 Very well said. I'm not sure I can say anything to top that, but I, I certainly won't try, but, uh, right. <laughs> we, we, <laughs> but we did also talk about a few little more, you know small little tidbits of information. Ron talked about how getting to know the person that you're going to co-game master with and how that's important, maybe running a game for them or having them run some games for you could be a good way to get to know one another before you embark on this uh, friendship behind the game master screen. We also talked a little bit about some of the benefits, about how it allows you to bounce ideas off of one another, how you can use both of your individual perspectives and and attitudes and preferences and fun in the game to elevate the other person's fun we talked a little bit about trust and how it was critical and important and i think that can't be understated we did say and i think it's true for all parts of this game that there are weaknesses so you can't go into this thinking that it's going to be your problem solver it's just another way to play this game and the same kind of pitfalls uh, exist, whether or not you're being the only game
1: master or co-game mastery.
0: And I think that covers everything. Ron, did I, did I forget anything?
1: Uh, that sounds like the complete set of ideas that we discussed today. Yes.
0: Awesome. 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 Well, with that, I'd like to thank you, Ron, for joining me on Roleplay chat. It's been thanks for having me. Pleasure. Why Shame. don't you uh, let the listeners know where they can find you, where they can find your other projects
1: your other shows
0: sure. and all of that good stuff
1: absolutely you can find me pretty much anywhere on the internet where people are found on the internet at the real rogden uh, including linktree so uh, you know link. Dot- link tr.ee slash the real rogdon uh, that should have all the links to everything that i'm doing live uh, so on and so forth uh, especially i've been working a lot lately on tiktok doing some dm helpline uh, both comedic and actual helpline and uh, stuff for uh, dms so please uh, take a look uh, if you'd like i would love if you would leave a comment on a problem that you have it, we may be able to feature it in uh, a future dm helpline You can also find me on the Dungeon Run Wednesday nights, 6 p.m. PST on Twitch and soon also YouTube live. Uh, And then you can also find on YouTube, uh, I think at 8 8, 8 a.m. PST, Uh, I can't remember the exact date, but on Fridays we launch on YouTube, the actual premiere. Um, And then you can also find, as I said, if you're looking for the Kickstarter or would like some uh, free DM materials so you can run a campaign, uh, you can get those at thedungeonsociety.com.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So I'd like to encourage everybody to go check out all of Ron's products. I, I, I want I want to hear of somebody from Roleplay Chat commenting on, on Ron's TikTok videos. So please let that happen <laughs> for me, guys, uh, guys and gals and everyone out there. So yeah, I, I I look forward to that. So again, thanks, Ron, for being here. Sure. If folks have questions for me, you know where you can find me. That's at role underscore play underscore chat on Twitter, Instagram, and mastodon now so Ooh. come find me guys it's uh come find the big elephant let's go uh and <laughs> and if you don't want to be limited to some kind of character limit you can always email me at contact roleplaychat at gmail.com thanks for listening thanks for being here ron Ooh, let's, my pleasure let's call it a chat